So good morning, listeners, and welcome to Come and See Inspirations. And it's the 2nd of April. It is the beginning of Holy Week. Today is Palm Sunday. My name is Jan Keeley, and help me to present this particular podcast this morning. Again, Shane Ambrose. Good morning to you, Shane. How are we doing, Jan? Good, thanks, Shane, for joining me. And as usual, we do want to remember those who are joining us from far off places around the world, especially those who might be housebound and lonely and struggling in some way. And our listeners, especially those who remember us each prayer, and thank you so much indeed for that prayer, because without that, we really can't go anywhere. Our weekly podcast does include interviews and uh, chat on faith topics, inspirational music, and of course, reflection on the Sunday Gospel. All of our podcasts can be heard at comeandseeinspirations.buzzbread.com. That's comeandseeinspirations.buzzbread.com. Historically, uh, our podcasts go back to 2010, and they can be heard at on our blog at sacredspace102.blogspot.com. Also available to be heard at Spotify, iTunes, and of course on our Facebook page, Come and See Inspirations. If you wish to contact us, and please do so, you can email us on comeandseeinspirations at gmail.com. Now this being Holy Week, we'll pass over to Shane, but this being Holy Week, Shane just advised me, I don't think we have any saints for the week this particular week. No, I'm redundant today, it's great. Well, not too sure about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no. So um, uh, today, of course, is Palm Sunday, or uh, Palm Sunday of the Lord's Passion, as it's sometimes called. And we are entering into Holy Week, not Easter Week, Holy Week. And as such, Holy Week takes precedence over all else on the liturgical calendar for this week. So there are no saints uh, to be commemorated in the days to come. For those praying the Psalter, we're on week two for Sunday, Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. But obviously then for the Tridium itself, it's the office is proper for the days. That means there's the, you, do, you don't have to move around too much in the Psalter. You just read it through. Um, so and uh, so, yeah, so that's where we stand, John. So and then in part two of this week's podcast, we're going to do small snippets of reflections on different days of the week. So that's we'll, we'll take that through. We we'll take people through that. Excuse me. In part two. So this is why you should never have seven up before we start recording the podcast. John. <laughs> that's OK. We won't we won't remind people it's Lent and all the rest of it. But anyway, as usual, we will, of course, um, just recite a, a prayer this morning, which would be appropriate maybe for Palm Sunday. And this is the one that we picked this morning. Lord God, I give you thanks for your good and your mercy is endless. Here I stand at the start of this Holy Week, this week in which your church remembers Jesus' passion and death. And I am distracted by many things. Turn my eyes now to the one who comes in your name, the one who opens the gates of righteousness, the one who answers when we call. I bless you, Lord, for shining your light upon me and for sending your Son to us in human frailty to walk the road we walk. Open my eyes that I might see him coming. I might praise him with a pure heart. I may walk in the way of his suffering and share also in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit forever and ever. Amen. For our first bit of music this morning on the podcast, a little bit of reflection, reflective music from our good friend Melinda Dimitrescu. This one is entitled Jesus I Believe.
So welcome back again to the second part of our podcast here in Come and See Inspirations. My name is John Keeley and still joined by Shane Ambrose. And Shane said at the beginning of our podcast this week, this week uh, the reflection is going to be on Holy Week. So Shane is going to lead us through nice and gently on some of the main points maybe of Holy Week. Uh, and in, in, interspersed with those, uh, we will have... Um, some music to, to to go with it. But Shane, maybe you might just... Yeah, so um, on part two of the programme this week, so we're just going to kind of step our way through Holy Week. Um, it's just going to be a slight light, maybe a bit of reflection, just to get you in, in, in thinking about the week that is to come. And Holy Week begins on this Sunday, begins today, and is very much kind of looking at the commemoration of the entrance of the Lord into Jerusalem. And then moving on during the Holy Week to celebrate the mysteries of salvation accomplished by Jesus in the last days of his life on earth. Um, And it's also, I suppose, to point out the Lenten season ends on Thursday. Uh, So it is Thursday just uh, with the Mass of the Lord's Supper, which is held on the evening of Holy Thursday. So your Lenten, your Lenten season then finishes as we enter into the Holy Tridium, the Sacred Tridium, the Easter, the, the Easter Tridium. So to start us off this morning, we're going to start on today, which is, of course, Palm Sunday. And the first piece of music we have this morning is a piece called Hosanna Filio David. And, of course, it is very much situated around that entrance into Jerusalem, which we will hear about in part three of the program when we are listening to this week's Sunday Gospel.
So that was Hosanna, Filio David. And I think it's a nice piece of music, John. It brings us in to Palm Sunday. Mm. And of course, mm. Palm Sunday is very much about the, the entrance of Jesus into Jerusalem and what might have been. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's very much around the idea he was greeted as the Messiah, uh, walking or riding a donkey into Jerusalem. And, of course, the Palm Sunday itself, uh, in terms of the liturgical celebration, it's very much, of course, around the, the blessing of the palms. And in certain parishes and churches, there'll be a procession. Um, there's a there's generally, just for example, in, 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 in Rome, there's the big procession in from the centre of St. Mm-hmm. Peter's Square mm-hmm. into the Basilica or up to the place in front of the Basilica where they will celebrate Mass. Obviously, we'll have to wait and see. Of course, we are recording this on Friday evening, so we are, are we don't know yet whether or not Pope Francis mm. will be able to attend, never mind preside over the Easter ceremonies in Rome, given his illness. But... Um, and then, of course, in Jerusalem itself, you have the great procession down across the Mount of Olives and up through the processional route and in through the Lion's Gate into Jerusalem, into the Holy, into the Old City itself. And of course, as well as that, we all, as well as the procession, which is you know we commemorate that entrance, the messianic entrance into Jerusalem. We also, of course, hear the first recitation of the Passion, and this year, of course, it will come from the Gospel of Matthew. And it should it should take up a special part in the liturgy, and it's uh, very much proclaimed, you know, in its in its stark simplicity, without candles or incense or greeting, and in proclaimed in its entirety for us to stand and listen twice during the week to the events, to the accounts of what has actually happened. Um, we celebrate, I suppose, we we mark. Uh, very much kind of the the I suppose the, the 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 ups and downs within the one day in terms of what happens on Palm Sunday. Of course great tradition associated with it is the blessing of the palms and that they are taken home where they will serve as a reminder of the victory of Christ uh you know placed in people's houses and uh, kept there. It's an interesting one. I think practically speaking, the tradition is the the dried palms from Palm Sunday become the ashes yes. for mm. the following Ash mm. Wednesday. And I don't know if that happens all the time, mm. but that is that happens for some places. Yeah, that's the plan. You know, that's the plan. So we just, you know, as we pause and we reflect, John, you have a small uh, prayer around uh, Palm Sunday for us to to read. Well, just just before that, Shane, um, just before we leave the Palm Sunday, um, just a little few words that you said there. Oh, yeah. And that, yes, no, just, a thought, just a thought that always comes to me, you know, is, is it supposed to be a joyous day or are we preparing now for, you know, for the rest of the week when, it, when, when, Jesus, when we know he's been led towards his death and so on and so forth? And I, I'd say for myself anyway, I, I should keep that joy there because the, the the people were there witnessing to the fact that this is the Lord, this is our Savior. Well, yeah, the entrance into Jerusalem was joyous because and the crowd, the turning of the crowd and all the rest that happened was later on in the week. They had entered, they had welcomed him in mm. and it was that reception which triggered uh, the powers that be, both the Roman authorities and also the Sanhedrin. Because there was the danger that this man then had the population behind him and what could happen in, in, in that regard. So, you know, for us, as from a faith point of view, it's very much linked um, in terms of both what happened 2000 years ago 
but also what will happen to come. Yeah, yeah. You know, okay. and it's the, the Messianic return of Christ. And just before we go into that, John, just a small quick poem by G.K. G. Chesterton. It's called The Donkey. Oh, yeah. And it's a it's written from the perspective of the donkey that Jesus rode. When fishes flew and forests walked and figs grew upon thorn, some moment when the moon was blood, then surely I was born. With monstrance head and sickening cry and ears like errant wings, the devil's walking parody of all, on all four-footed things, the tattered outlaw of the earth of ancient crooked will, Starve, scourge, deride me, I am dumb, I keep my secret still. Fools, for I also had my hour, one far fierce hour and sweet. There was the shout about my ears, and palms before my feet. Very good. So maybe we might just have this prayer again. Mm-hmm. That just remind us again uh, that we prayed at the start of our podcast today for Palm Sunday. Lord God, I give you thanks for your good, and your mercy is endless. Here I stand at the start of this holy week, this week in which your church remembers Jesus' passion and death. And I am distracted by many things. Turn my eyes now to the one who comes in your name, the one who opens the gates of righteousness, the one who answers when we call. I bless you, Lord, for shining your light upon me, and for sending your Son to us in human frailty, to walk the road we walk. Open my eyes that I might see him coming. I may praise him with a pure heart, and may walk in the way of his suffering, and share also in his resurrection. Through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God for ever and ever. Amen. Thanks, John. So we're going to move on now and we're going to move through the week. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Now, Wednesday, of course, is known as as, as, spy, as spy Wednesday in many places. And the liturgy, the gospel of the day is of the of the, of the plan of the betrayal by Judas Iscariot. Um, in many places, actually, now, particularly in Ireland, Wednesday, the Wednesday before Holy Thursday is the day of the Chrism Mass. And in our home, our home diocese, for the podcast, our home diocese is Limerick in, West, in, in Limerick. And the Chrism Mass will be celebrated at 7.30 on, Holy, on Spy Wednesday night in St. John's Cathedral. And it is the Mass where the bishop gathers the priests of the diocese around him, uh, priests and deacons. Uh, we don't have deacons in Limerick. Mm. So um, the priests of the diocese around him. And it's a renewal. It's a number of things. There's the blessing of the sacred oils that are going to be used for... Uh, baptisms, uh, uh, anointing of the dead, anointing of the sick, and also, of course, uh, the oils that are used for for ordination, um, which obviously don't get taken out too often at the moment, no, unfortunately. No, no. Uh, the, and the chrism, the chrism is, is blessed. That's that's the oil of, of, of ordination. And as well as that, then, of course, there is the renewal of the priestly promises that's held at that mass as well. And it's a renewal of the idea of the, 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 the bishop as the centre for his priests in the diocese. And it's an important, it's an important occasion many people will 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 attend. So that's on the Wednesday. So then we move on to, sorry, John, yeah? Just before we leave Wednesday, i just come across another prayer for Wednesday. Would you mind if I just pray this one? I think it's pertinent maybe to us all. Okay, yeah. Lord God, we tremble to think that it was one of Jesus' own friends who betrayed him, one who sat by him and who bro- broke bread with him. Give us strength, we believe, we, we pray, 
to walk faithfully with Jesus, even when the road we walk is rocky, even when the message of the cross seems like foolishness, and even when we feel betrayed. Lord, you're always faithful. We stumble, we become lost, but you are ready and sure. Give us the grace to endure our troubles and reveal us to the glory of your kingdom through Jesus Christ, our Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Just a little prayer, just a fair bit to finish off the little Wednesday. No, no hassle, no problem. So then we move on to Holy Thursday. So our Maudy Thursday, as it's, it's called in some places, but that's generally actually something that's very associated, associated more with the UK. The reason it's called Maudy Thursday is that uh, modatum, it comes from mandatum, sorry, which is the, the mandate, the instruction that was given in the gospel that we will hear on Holy Thursday night. And the gospel that we will hear at the Mass of the Lord's Supper, which begins the sacred tridium, is the gospel according to St. John. And it is his account of the Last Supper. John's Gospel differs significantly from the other three synoptics because it does not recount the institution of the Eucharist. Take this and break it. This is my blood given for you. It doesn't have that in there in that particular section. Now, John has a whole section of the Gospel, section six, which deals with the body and blood of Christ, Ooh. which is slightly different. But in terms of Holy, of Holy Thursday, the Mass of the Lord's Supper and the institution of the Eucharist, what John recounts is the washing of the feet. And that whole idea of service and duty as Christians one to each other. And it is for us, I suppose, it's it's not enough that we go to Eucharist, that we participate in Eucharist, but that we be Eucharist. Mm-hmm. That is the requirement that is there for us in terms of Holy Thursday. And that is what the ceremony of the washing of the feet in some ways signifies that whole sense that we are to be servants to one another, that we are called as Christians to look into the face of our brothers and sisters in Christ, to see them for who they are, to see them for what they are, to look them in the eye and see in them the image of God and to challenge ourselves to ask, is that what we see? You know, when you have this whole conversation that's going on at the moment about people saying Ireland for the Irish and all this kind of palaver, you kind of have to turn around and you have to say to these people, if you are a Christian, how do you not see the face of God in those who knock on the door and ask for sanctuary? Yeah. You know, that is the challenge, that is the message of the mandatum, of the requirement for us to be servants to one another. So just uh, before we go any further on Holy Thursday, we're going to have our next piece of music, which is the Servant Song, which I think, John, is very appropriate. Servant to 
So that was the servant song, and as I said, I found that very appropriate because, mm-hmm, very um, you know, it's 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 very much you know given the whole idea of Holy Thursday and the idea of the um, the idea that it's it is a, that's what John's Gospel puts forward and put, puts before us for Holy Thursday. I suppose the thing to say as well about Holy Thursday is that you know. The, the the ancient saints of the church, the old saints of the church, they're sometimes called the fathers of the church, they see the tritium as one united celebration, right? So when you start your mass of the Lord's Supper mm-hmm. on Holy Thursday night, mm-hmm. the priest will start in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. You will not get another final blessing again until the end of the Easter vigil on Holy Saturday night. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's right. You're right. Yeah. So it is a continuous liturgy over the three days from this from sundown, and in and light and darkness and the timings around this the celebrations of the liturgy are extremely important in this regard. So Mass of the Lord's Supper should start after sunset. Mm-hmm. Now that's a bit of a challenge for us here in Ireland at the moment, folks, because we're now moving into the summer summer season mm-hmm. they're not even the summer season the clocks went back so our 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 evening time our darkness is gone very much later on in the time so that can be a challenge from a pastoral and a practical point of view but the mass of the lord's supper and the vigil on holy saturday are supposed to start in the dark because it is significant for the understanding in terms of liturgy brings us in in terms of both senses and hearing and seeing and tasting and touching and that idea that it brings you bodily into that celebration to commemorate what actually happened that Jesus gathered the disciples in the upper room John's gospel tells us it was before the Passover 
and that it reminds us that it is commemoration of Jesus' Passover in terms of his own death. And the, mm. the fathers of the church saw see the Triduum as a unitive commemoration. St. Augustine spoke of the most holy Triduum of the crucified, buried and risen Lord. And we, as I said, we celebrate a single indivisible mystery was another word that it was put. And he closes and it's, it's kind of defined as it begins with the evening mass of the Lord's Supper, reaches its high point in the Easter Vigil and closes uh, with the evening prayer or Vespers on Easter, on Easter Sunday. And I suppose it's an important one to remember that, you know, it's from, from a Holy Thursday point of view, um, it's very much uh, a reminder to us that the Mass of the Lord's Supper should be celebrated with full participation of the whole community. And traditionally, in a situation where you had a number of priests in a parish, they would all celebrate at that Mass. There wouldn't be multiple Masses of yes, the Lord's yes, Supper. Okay. Um, you know, and it's, it's a reminder to us that the tabernacle should be empty. Now, there's two practical reasons for that. It has to be empty for Good Friday because mm-hmm. the church is stripped back to its basics. Mm-hmm. But it's also important that a sufficient amount of bread is consecrated for all of those who are to receive on the evening of Holy Thursday and Good Friday, but particularly on Holy Thursday, so that all the faithful would participate in that commemoration of the institution of the Eucharist, one of the greatest gifts that God has given us on the planet and throughout time and space and history. And also, I suppose, it's a reminder to us that, you know, it's, it's we are all one. You become what you mm. eat. We become what you take. Become what you eat. We are called to be Christ, Eucharist to each other. You know, going back to the point I was making about the gospel, and to be servants to one another. And also, it's very. It can be traditional, or you know, in 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 many places, uh, particularly in an Irish context, we don't receive under both species. We don't receive Eucharist under bread and wine. Now, I know it's, that's different in different parts of the world. Uh, across the water in the UK and across the, wa- and the water in the US, it's more common to receive under both species um, and more dioceses are returning to that post-COVID. In Ireland, it's not that common, but it's, it, can happen, it can happen in many parishes on two, two particular occasions, Holy Thursday, Mass of the Lord's Supper and the Feast of Corpus Christi. Okay, yes. You know, so that that's that are you know that's that's something that's there, and again, it's that reminder that re- receive receive the body and blood of Christ, become the body and blood of Christ. Christ. That's what we are called to do, and that's what the reminder is in terms of in terms of Holy Thursday. Other little things that you might note around the liturgy around Holy Thursday is the bells will be rung at the Gloria. Yeah. And then they will be silenced mm. until Holy Saturday night, mm. you know. Um, then, of course, the altar, as I said, will be stripped after after Mass. The tabernacle is empty. Often churches will hide or veil uh, pictures, statues, crucifixes. Uh, to, again, flowers. There should be no flowers in a church from after uh, Holy Thursday, right up until Easter, the vigil on Easter, Sun, on Easter, yeah. on Holy Saturday. Holy Saturday yeah. You know, so it's it's the starkness of it. And again, what it does is, if you think about it from a physical point of view, you're stripping back. Most of our church, a lot of our churches are stone in their stripping or marble, mm. and it's the hardness of that to remind us of the starkness of Calvary, the stone of the tomb. Okay. You know, the, mm-hmm. and the fact that it was the dump outside the city. 
where he where Golgotha was was the dump outside the walls of the city. You know, so in terms of then, of course, with Holy Thursday, you have that beautiful tradition of the uh, reservation of the Blessed Sacrament and the altar of repose. So basically, that is the journey to Gethsemane. You know, and it's a beautiful tradition of people visiting the sacra- the sacrament at the altar of repose. Uh, and there's uh, moments of adoration and prayer. And it's a reminder to us that it is it is us accompanying Jesus to Gethsemane, like the disciples. You know, once uh, once the supper was ended and prayers were said, they crossed the Kedron Valley to Gethsemane. And for anyone that's been in the Holy Land, obviously the visit to Gethsemane in Jerusalem is, is quite significant because olive trees last thousands of years yes, so there yeah. there is there is a belief there is an understanding that the olive trees that you actually see in the garden of gethsemane there is a very strong probability they are the exact same olive trees that would jesus would have passed hard to imagine that isn't it but it is if you're there as well yeah mm. they're, but they're massive if you see mm-hmm. in like the trunks the trunks are yeah, like yeah, yeah. You know, I, john will tell you i'm not a small man <laughs> and some of the trunks of the trees are bigger than me <laughs> you know and but it's that whole sense we we move now on holy thursday the mass of the lord's supper is over and we're moving into gethsemane and we're moving through the actions, the events of the passion story that we would have heard. And it's Gethsemane, I suppose, in many ways, is the opposite almost of Tabor. We celebrated Tabor two, three weeks ago when Christ was glorified and the three boys mm-hmm. that went up with him, the three lads that went up yep. with him, they saw the glory of God. The exact same three are now called upon to accompany him through, the, through his agony in the garden but they fall asleep, yeah. you know. And then, of course, the guards arrive, led by the betrayer. Um, but Gethsemane, of course, in Gethsemane, um, if you visit it in the Holy Land, there is a beautiful basilica that's been built there that overlooks what is the this, the, the, the gate, the, I forget the name of the gate, into Jerusalem that's actually sealed up. And the gate is supposed to be the gate that the Messiah will enter when he returns Um but Gethsemane looks out onto it. The Basilica Gethsemane looks out onto it. And uh, there is an Irish connection with that Basilica that, I, that I, I can remember, but it escapes me at the moment. But that Basilica, there's a stone in the middle where it, tradition holds. It's the stone where Jesus mm, knelt yes. and wept and, yeah. and, and, and sweated blood because of the stress that he was under. Um, but it is a church of reconciliation. It is a church of prayer. It is a church of welcoming those that carry grief and Gethsemane is a reminder to us that those who struggle through pain and suffering, that Christ has walked that path with each of us. Mm. Now, we haven't, we haven't got to Calvary yet. I haven't no. got to the sacrifice of Calvary and the pain of Calvary. I'm now talking about just Gethsemane itself. You know, um, Mary Oliver has a poem, Gethsemane it's called. The grass never sleeps or the roses, nor does the lily have a secret eye that shuts until morning. Jesus said, wait with me, but the disciples slept. The cricket has such splendid fringe on its feet and it sings, have you noticed, with its whole body and heaven knows if it ever sleeps. Jesus said, wait with me. And maybe the stars did. Maybe the wind wound itself into a silver tree and didn't move. 
Maybe the lake far away where once he walked as on a blue pavement lay still and waited, wild awake. Oh, the dear bodies, slumped and eyes shut, that could not keep that vigil, how they must have wept so utterly human, knowing this too must be a part of the story. Gethsemane very much, of course, a number of betrayals, I suppose. When we think of the betrayals during Holy Week, the the, the, the main one, of course, people is Judas, you know, he, he in, and, mm. and Jude. And there's a whole discussion and role, that, you know, was Judas, was Judas necessary for what was to happen, you know? We're not going to talk about that this mm. morning, but there was other betrayals at Gethsemane. There was the three that could not keep their eyes awake. Mm-hmm. There was the others that fled yeah. when, the, when the guards and the elders arrived mm-hmm. to arrest and take him into custody. You know, and of course, leading up to the betrayal, I don't know the man. Yeah. I don't Peter, know the yeah. man. I don't know the man. Peter betrayed him three times. You know, so it's, it's that idea as well, putting ourselves at Gethsemane. You know, and asking ourselves, have we betrayed? Not something we like to think about. Yeah. Is there something we have we have walked away from? Yep. Is there something there that perhaps we have turned our back on because of pressures or time or excuses? You know, or tried to say there is no need for us to do that anymore. You know, if you think about it, Holy Thursday is laden with with mystery and laden with message. Be Eucharist to each other. And Gethsemane reminds us of times where we have not been that bread for the companion for the road. So it moves us on slowly and surely into the dark of night, the dark of Holy Thursday, into the starkness of the morning of Good Friday. And so the next piece of... Oh, sorry, John, uh, to, to, to close out that reflection, we have a small prayer. A small prayer. And um, thanks a lot for that reflection there, Shane. The thought just comes through to me anyway, was we need to give it time, time to reflect, not to rush it. And that the, the temptation would be, we know this story, we've heard all this before. Mm-hmm. But as you just said, there's times when, where this is applied to me. But anyway, just for this prayer, for, Mon- for Holy Thursday, Monday Thursday, Lord God, you sent your Son into the world, and before his hour had come, he washed his his disciples' feet. You were given him all things into his hands. He had come from you and was going to you. What did he do? He knelt down on the floor and washed his friends' feet. He was their teacher and their Lord, yet he washed their feet. Lord, help us to learn from his example. Help us to do as he done for us, as he has done for us. The world will know we were, we are his disciples if we love one another. Strengthen our hands and our wills for love and for service. Keep before our eyes the image of your Son, who, being God, became a servant for your sake. All glory be to him who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. Amen. So now we move on to Good Friday. And so, John, the first piece of music we're going to play in relation to Good Friday is Jesus Remember Me, which is that Teze, Teze piece.
So that was the Tese piece, Jesus Remember Me. And of course, it is that expression that comes from the Gospel of John from what we call the good thief. Jesus, remember me. Wouldn't that be the prayer of all of us, you know, as we as we face that final journey, as we cross that great divide between life and death? Jesus, remember me. But we we pray it because we re, we celebrate, and that's a strange word to use. We celebrate the Lord's passion. We were speaking about Holy Week, and we were speaking about all that gruesome mm. thing that's going to happen. And, and we, we celebrate, celebrate, we celebrate the Lord's passion. And why is it called Good Friday? You know, if you think about it, strange name. But it is a day where it's very much focused on John's account of the passion, which is more reflective and theological, I suppose, in some respects. Um, John emphasizes Jesus's obedience to the Father's will. Mm-hmm. And but at the same time, the kingship of Jesus is asserted. The crucifixion is a victory. The hour of death is also the hour of triumph. He is lifted up on the cross, but willingly and only in order to enter into his glory. A glory that is made visible even in this world to the confusion of unbelievers and ending in the defeat of Satan once and for all. You know, Christ the Paschal Lamb was sacrificed, the true lamb which replaced the symbolic lamb. And that's why it's important, actually, because John's account of the gospel situates Jesus' death at the time of the sacrifices of the lambs for the Passover meals. So that's that's that whole linkage that's there because Jesus is the new lamb. Mm-hmm. He is the Paschal lamb. And it's, you know, John, this, the Good Friday celebration is meditating on the passion of Jesus, venerating the cross um, because the church, the faith, the community, the people of God come from the side of Christ on the cross. And as part of that, you know, we listen again, as I said, to John's account of the Passion. The ceremony, the ceremonies for Good Friday opens in silence. And for most parishes, it opens actually with your priest on his face on the floor, mm-hmm. remembering the Passion. Even, even with the Pope, even despite his disabilities the last number of years, um, they, have, they, have, they have tried to lift him up and off, up and off, down off the floor, but he has gone down on his knees to, to, to venerate the cross. And we go in then to the great prayer, or the, the, the great reading from Messiah about the suffering servant. And then on to the gospel, John's account of the passion. Again, read in stark simplicity in a church that has been stripped back and is bare in somber, musicless almost account, unless it's chanted, obviously with people that are probably hungry listening to it because of course Good Friday is a day of prayer and is prayer of fasting and abstinence mm-hmm. it's a day of penance you know which applies to the whole church you have no masses celebrated anywhere in the world on Good Friday there's no funerals supposed to be celebrated anywhere in the world on Good Friday the focus is on the Lord's Passion which by tradition is celebrated at 3 o'clock now that doesn't necessarily always happen but by tradition um, the only sacraments that can be celebrated on Good Friday is the anointing of the sick and the sacrament of penance. Um, you can bury the dead, but it's it's literally, it's the burial of the dead. There's no mm-hmm. mass to be said. Um, the Lord's Passion is, very mo- is an ancient tradition of the church, the commemoration of it. And it has 
it has changed very little actually over the centuries in many respects. The, the, the veneration of the cross, that beautiful, simple, where people go to the foot of the cross to venerate the instrument of torture that became the instrument of our salvation. Think about that. What was effectively a thing of torture mm-hmm. for the uh, what would you call the, the, the Roman Empire becomes an instrument of salvation for all of the cosmos, all of humanity, all of salvation, all of the world, all of the universe. Think about that, you know. And it's 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 something which uh, kind of causes you to pause and to think and to reflect and to ask yourself the question: What is this that we are looking at? You know, the 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 line from. Uh, the, 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 the reading of from Isaiah is look on, on the one they have pierced they can count every one of his bones mm-hmm. Good Friday and the veneration of the cross is you know a call to reminder and a call to simplicity and a call to again remember the world because after we venerate the cross or after we sorry after we um, celebrate and commemorate the Lord's Passion we have the intercessions, what are called the fame, the general intercessions, yeah. the great intercessions of Good Friday, where we pray for the world, the people of the world, the leaders of the world, the leaders of the church, those who have faith, those who have no faith, the Jews who were the first to hear the word of God and are our elder brothers in faith. And that particular, you know, again, reminding us we are to be Eucharist for those that are out there, the others that are there. But uh, there's an interesting one here, another poem called Good Friday by, by Denise uh, Levertov on a theme by Thomas Merton. And it's called Good Friday. Adam, where are you? God's hands, palpable darkness, the void that is Adam's inattention, his confused attention to everything, impassioned by multiplicity, his despair. Multiplicity, his despair, God's hands in acting blindness, like a child at a barbaric fairground. Noise, lights, the violent odours. Adam fragments himself, the whirling rides. Fragmented Adam stares, God's hands unseen, the whirling rides dazzle, the lights blind him, fragmented, he is not present to himself. God suffers the void that is in his absence. Another one is from the poet uh, Rilke, um, and it's an interesting one. It's a, it's a challenging one to read and listen to, so just, just to bear with me with it. I am praying again, awesome one. You hear me again as words from the depths of me rush towards you in the wind. I have been scattered in pieces, torn by conflict, mocked by laughter, washed down in drink. In alleyways I sweep myself up out of garbage and broken glass. With my half-mouth I stammer you who are eternal in your symmetry. I lift to you my half-hands in wordless beseeching that I may find again the eyes with which I once beheld you. I am a house gutted by fire, where only the guilty sometimes sleep, before the punishment that devours them, hounds them out into the open. I am a city by the sea, sinking into a toxic tide. 
I am strange to myself, as though someone unknown has poisoned my mother as she carried me. It's here in all the places, pieces of my shame that now I find myself again. I yearn to belong to something, to be contained in all-embracing mind that sees me as a single thing. I yearn to be held in the great hands of your heart. Oh, let them take me now. Into them I place these fragments, my life, and you, God speed them however you want. Good Friday is a day of silence, or is the beginning of silence, I should say. There is no blessing at the end of the Passion Ceremony. The way the wording the wording of the rubric is the people are dismissed in silence. The people are blessed and leave in silence. There's no dismissal. And that is the silence which envelops us because it is the silence of the tomb. It's the silence of the grave. It's the silence of the sepulchre. It is the silence of Holy Saturday that starts to weep and take us into upon itself. And the next piece of music, oh, sorry, before we go to that, John, you was just to close out that piece on Good Friday. Lord God, Jesus cried out to you on the cross. Why have you forsaken me? You seem so far from his cry and from his distress. <clears throat> Those who stood at the foot of the cross wondered where you were. As, the, as they saw Jesus mocked and shamed and killed, where were you then? Lord God, we too ask where you are, when there is trouble and suffering and death. But we cry out to you for help. Be near to us and save us, so that we may praise you for your, for your deliverance. Lord God, we wait on Friday for the resurrection of Sunday, and sometimes our lives seem to be a succession of Fridays, and we cannot see what is good. Teach us to call your name, as Jesus did. Make us trust in you like little children. In Jesus' name. Amen. One of the challenges with Good Friday and, 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 and culturally, we can be Good Friday people or we can be Easter, we are Holy Easter Sunday people. You know, we can be people mm. that focus too much on the pain and sorrow of the crucifixion and we forget what comes after. Yep. Or we can be people of excessive optimism without remembering that to get to Easter Sunday, you have to go through Good Friday. Mm -hmm. But the day that gets overlooked is Holy Saturday. Mm. And it's not Easter Saturday. I, some people have picked me up on that before. It's not Easter Saturday. It's Holy Saturday. It's, again, the continuation of the Paschal Fast that continues. There is no celebration. There's no liturgy. It is silence meditating at the door of the tomb on his passion and death and on his descent into hell and awaiting his resurrection with prayer and fasting. Holy Saturday in the tradition of the church is the harrowing of hell. Christ has gone down into the dead and he's bringing forth all of those who had died before he had died and bringing them into the light. I love the tradition of the idea that he is breaking down the doors of hell, opening wide the gates of heaven. Mm. You know, mm. 
because that that is what is going to happen and he's going to bring the beloveds those with him but george herbert has a poem called sepulchre O blessed body, whither art thou thrown? No lodging for thee, but a cold hard stone. So many hearts on earth, and yet not one receive thee. Sure there is room within our hearts good store, for they can lodge transgressions by the score. Thousands of toys dwell there, yet out of door they leave thee. But that which shows them large shows them unfit, whatever sin did this pure rock commit, which holds thee now, who hath indicted thee of murder. Where our hard hearts have taken up stones to brain thee, and missing this most falsely did arraign thee, only these stones in quite entertain thee, and order, as of old the law by heavenly art was writ in stone, so thou which also art the letter of the word findest no fit heart to hold thee. Yet do we still persist as we began, and so should perish, but that nothing can, though it be cold, hard, foul, from loving man withhold thee. And that idea of the sepulchre where Christ was kind of alone in the dark, I suppose, is this where God hides from my searching? There is no other sound in the darkness but the sound of a man breeding, testing his faith and emptiness, nailing his questions one by one to an untenanted tenanted cross. It's a poem by R.S. Thomas. I was a Welsh priest and a poet. And his poems reflect the problem of faith asking ourselves the questions and acknowledging the doubts that are there. And Holy Saturday is the place for doubts. We stand at the door of the tomb and you have to ask yourself, what did it all mean? What was it all about? Um, you have to question for ourselves, you know, Holy Saturday in terms of why does it happen? What does it mean? Where are we going? Was it all for naught? And it's an interesting one as well because the day itself is sometimes overlooked because everyone's getting ready for the night <laughs> and yep. the vigil. But to close out just this bit on the day of Holy Saturday itself, there's two things, John, that I'd like to do. One is to read what is um, the readings from the Office of Readings for the day. And it is, um, it's, the, it's a reading from an ancient homily for Holy Saturday. Something strange is happening. There is a great silence on earth today, a great silence and stillness. The whole earth keeps silence because the king is asleep the earth trembled and is still because God has fallen asleep in the flesh and he has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. God has died in the flesh and hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent as for a lost sheep, greatly desiring to visit those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death. He has gone to free them from sorrow, the captives Adam and Eve, he who is both God and the son of Eve. The Lord approached them bearing the cross, the weapon that had won him the victory. At the sight of him, 
the madam, the first man he had created, struck his breast in terror and cried out to everyone, My Lord be with you all. Christ answered him, And with your spirit. He took him by the hand and raised him up, saying, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I am your God, who for your sake have become your son. Out of love for you and for your descendants, I now, by my own authority, command all who are held in bondage to come forth, all who are in darkness to be enlightened, all who are asleep to arise. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be held a prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. Rise up, work of my hands, you who were created in my image. Rise, let us leave this place, for you are in me and I am in you together. We form one, only one person, we cannot be separated. For your sake, I, your God, became your son, I, the Lord, took the form of a slave. I, whose home is above the heavens, descended to the earth and beneath the earth. For your sake, for the sake of man, I became like a man without help, free among the dead. For the sake of you who left a garden, I was betrayed to the Jews in a garden, and I was crucified in a garden. See my hands nailed firmly to a tree, for you who once wickedly stretched out your hand to a tree. I slept on the cross and a sword pierced my side for you who slept in paradise and brought forth Eve from your side. My side has healed the pain of yours. My sleep will rouse you from your sleep in hell. The sword that pierced me has sheeted the sword that was turned against you. Rise, let us leave this place. I will not restore you to that paradise, but I will enthrone you in heaven. I forbade you the tree that was only a symbol of life, but see, I who am life itself am now one with you. I appointed cherubim to guard you as slaves are guarded, but now I make them worship you as God. The throne formed by cherubim awaits you, its bearers swift and eager. The bridal chamber is adorned, the banquet is ready, the eternal dwelling places are prepared, the treasure houses of all good things lie open. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you from all eternity. It's a bit long. I appreciate that. But I think it is a beautiful homily and a beautiful reflection for Holy Saturday and to remind us of it. But it's also, um, for me, something of hope. In a world which is often dark to people, Holy Saturday is that forgotten day for those who are forgotten and striving for hope and for joy. And so, but it's also a one of, I suppose, prayer and asking ourselves different things. So, John, just before we go to our next piece of music, just give us that little prayer there. Prayer for Holy Saturday. Lord God, on the Sabbath, Jesus rested. He was in the grave. He'd finished his work. To most people's eyes, it looked as if it was all over. He was dead and buried. But only as a seed dies when it is planted in the earth, not to decay, but to spring to new life. Teach us to take refuge in you when we're afraid. Teach us that death is not our end. Teach us to hope always in you and in the resurrection and make all things new through Christ our Lord. Amen. 
So the next piece of music we have is Meditation on Mary, Mother of Sorrows by the Dominican Sisters of St. Cecilia. And it's taken from the Mass and the Office of Our Lady of Sorrows. And for me, this is a reminder of all those who sit at the doors of, of tombs, enclosed tombs. Those who weep in sadness for sorrow because of the death of a loved one. But also those who weep in sorrow for the death which is not physical. The entombment of the person that they love through addiction, through loneliness, through illness, through, through just actually being separated and sundered apart from us. What a sea of tears and sorrow did the soul of Mary toss to and fro upon its pillows while she wept a And so we move on out of Easter Saturday, Holy Saturday rather, and we enter into the vigil, the queen of vigils, she's called. The vigil of light, of the proclamation of the word, the history of salvation, the announcement of the great Alleluia, the announcement of the resurrection gospel, and the renewal of baptismal promises, washing us anew into new life. 
we wait for the resurrection of the Lord and celebrate the sacraments of Christian initiation. It is our Passover vigil in which we keep watch for the resurrection of Christ, in which he broke the chains of death and rose triumphant from the grave. It is the Easter vigil which reminds us of the foundation of our faith and hope and which was given to us through baptism and confirmation. We are inserted into that mystery of Christ's dying death and resurrection. The symbols of the candle, the Paschal candle, an art, an offering of beeswax to the Lord to be renewed each year and be large enough to remind us that Christ is the light of the world. The baptismal promises and the renewal of baptismal promises and the sprinkling of water reminds us and brings us back that it is true baptism that we are brought into uh, the, 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 the celebrations of, of being a part of the body of Christ. Baptism is the entry into everything. We are all baptised. And it is true baptism, no matter what we do or no matter what we say, we can all leave and we can turn our backs on the faith and turn our backs on the church and things like that. But by, by baptism, God is always with us, even though we may not always be with him. The vigil is very much, you know, the great proclamation, the Easter proclamation. The reminder to us that Christ is risen. Exult, O Holy Mother Church. Rejoice in the great news that is proclaimed on the Easter night. Like I said around uh, the Holy Thursday celebration, the Easter vigil should really be celebrated in the dark. Mm -hmm. You get really, it allows the, the faithful to really participate, really encounter the vigil in all of our senses. You know, in terms of the touch of water of baptism when we're sprinkled by afterwards, in the candles, in the light, in the wax, in the darkness. And listening to the story from creation right through to the crossing of the Red Sea and onwards through the story of salvation in the Old Testament and ultimately to the great Alleluia. Everyone should sing the Alleluia. We are a Easter people and Alleluia mm. is our song. Mm. And so that is what we are called to celebrate. That is what we are called to sing. We are called to lift up our voices as we enter into this Holy Week, John. And as we set forth in this journey on this Palm Sunday, myself and John, we wish you a peaceful, a prayerful, meditative and ultimately joyful Holy Week as we accompany the Lord to his death, passion, death, and ultimately his resurrection.
So welcome back again to the third part of Comments Inspirations. My name is John Kelly and a big thanks again, Shane, for leading us through that reflection for Holy Week. Uh, the emphasis that I took from that is take time. Take time to stay with it and see what it applies to ourselves. And as we're always told, the gospel always has something to do with us. It's nothing to do with something 2,000 years ago only. There's something to do with it. So thanks again in there for that, Shane. So now we'll, we've, we'll read and reflect on this week's reading, this week's Gospel. The Gospel, because we're going to take today, is not the Passion, but we're going to do the Palm Sunday reading for the entry into Jerusalem. But before that, we'll invite Shane to pray this prayer before reading and reflecting on Scripture. Thanks, Shane. Lord, we thank you for putting us in the presence of your Word, which you inspired in your prophets. May we approach this word reverently, attentively and humbly. May we not despise this word, but receive all it has to say to us. We know that our hearts are closed, often incapable of comprehending the simplicity of your word. Send your spirit to us so that receiving the word in truth and simplicity, our lives may be transformed by it. Let us not be resistant, Lord. May your word penetrate us like a two-edged sword. May our hearts be open to it. Let not our eyes be closed nor our minds wander, but may we give ourselves entirely to this listening. We ask this, Father, in union with Mary, who used to recite the Psalms through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So the Gospel for Pab Sunday that we're going to take today is taken from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. When they were near Jerusalem and had come in the sight of Bethage and the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples and saying to them, Go to the village facing you. And you, and you will immediately find a tethered donkey and colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anybody says anything to you, you are to say, The master needs them, and will send them back directly. This took place to fulfill the prophecy. Say to the daughter of Zion, Look, your king comes to you. He's humble. He rides on a donkey and on a colt. The fall of a beast of burden. So the disciples went out and did what Jesus told them. They brought the donkey and the colt. Then they laid their cloaks on their backs, and, he's, and, and he sat on them. Great crowds of people spread their cloaks on the, on the road, while the others were cutting branches from the trees and spreading them to, in his path. The crowds who went in front of him and those who followed him were all shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessings on him who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest heavens. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was in turmoil. Who is this? people asked. And the crowds answered, This is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. That's the gospel we took today from uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 1 to 11. Not the passion uh, shown, but uh, still an important gospel for us to listen to. Yes, and as you said, it's one that can be overlooked. Um, now, Matthew's isn't exactly the greatest account of the entry, but that's what we have for this mm-hmm. year, because we're accompanying Matthew through the through the liturgical year this year. Um, so then what we're looking at here is Christ's triumphal entry into the Lord's city. And I suppose it's important to remember, of course, what we're looking at here. We're looking at Jesus' entry into God's own city. Jerusalem was Yahweh's footstool. It was he where he resided in the temple. And we have here the kind of triumphant entry into the city where Jesus is supported in great rejoicing by crowds of onlookers. And of course, the problem, not the problem, but I suppose the issue with it is um, it's the fickleness of humanity. Because it was the same crowds that welcomed him on East, on Palm Sunday 
that were calling for his blood on, on and his head on a plate, literally, or on the cross, on Good Friday, you know? It's, uh, it's an interpretive, I suppose, way to start Holy Week. And I suppose it's important to look at it in the context of, of two things. The, the, the prayer that said, Hosanna to the Son of David, blessings on him who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest heavens, is very much a kind of looking at um, Psalm 118, which is a song of thanksgiving as the pilgrims enter into Jerusalem, having come up towards the temple. And it's echoing uh, the words from, from that psalm. The prophecy that's mentioned there is that of Zechariah. And, you know, look, the daughter of, look, daughter of Zion, your king comes to you. He rides on a donkey and on a colt, the fold of, foal of a beast of burden. And it's very much a reminder to us that Jesus made a deliberate choice to enter Jerusalem according to his own values. And he was conscious very much that he was presenting an alternative understanding of what it was to be Messiah. Because, of course, the time it was seen as a political thing that was going to lead to rebellion, probably, um, and that there would be a military leader to, leader to free the people of Israel. And so, but we have this alternative Messiah who enters in the city as a king, um, a man on whom the people pin their hopes and their dreams, who will, you know, their understanding is that he will lead a great army. Um, but the understanding of the army was not one of spears and arrows, but an armor and war, you know. It was their Messiah, but not as they had understood it. He came to challenge everything. You know, he came to challenge everything. And his triumphal entry was the beginning of a new type of kingship, if you like, um, where his crowning, his coronation was on a cross on Calvary, kicked out into the dump of the city. And it's interesting, actually, if you think about it, because we're going to be having the coronation of the new king of England. In May sometime, I think. In May the 6th. Mm -hmm. And the symbolisms that will be there, Charles will be brought in and presented to the people. Uh, there'll be that beautiful piece, Zadok the King, I think it's from Handel or Haydn or one of those, that will be sung and played as he, as he processes up the great aisle of Westminster Abbey. And the people will acclaim their king, you know. Um, and that's, you know, but then Charles will be crowned in the chair of St. Edward, whereas Christ was crowned with a crown of thorns in a dump on the side of a city outside the walls. Um, I suppose it's a reminder to us that we have to be careful as well. And it asks ourselves the question, where are you in the crowd? Yep. Where are you standing in the middle of that story? Because it is so easy for us to be caught up in the crowd be caught up in the group you know there were that idea of being swept along what would we do as member of that crowd versus would we be any different in the crowd on good friday you know and we have to ask ourselves kind of those types of questions as we listen to that gospel again today and jesus enters into his city knowing for a moment, a brief moment, that they wanted him, that they were welcoming him. But then 
the whole city was in turmoil. And he was in turmoil for the rest of the week. <laughs> Jesus entered into his city. He, God returns to claim his throne. And his people welcomed him in with songs of Hosanna. We celebrate the Lord's entrance, triumphant entrance, into Jerusalem today. Thank you for that, Shane. As I was reading that uh, that gospel today, a number of times, but uh, I didn't really get much from it, but I stayed with it. And then suddenly something just popped up for me. It was uh, one of the verses there just towards the start. It's in regard to when Jesus sent his two disciples uh, to go and get the donkey and the colt. And he said, you are to say Jesus needs them and will send them back directly. It's those first few words there. Jesus needs them that suddenly popped up for me. And as often said here, we've often said here on the on, on this podcast, you know, the, the gospel is all about us and it's not always about other people. So I had to stay with it a little bit. Just a thought came to me. Does Jesus need me? Just like the I'm sure the I'm sure the disciples would have said, Well what does Jesus want to call for and a donkey for? I'm sure they were, they were wondering what that was. The same thought came to me. Jesus needs me. What, what does he want me for? So I'm not good enough, etc., etc., etc. But I think the lesson that I'm drawing from this today, Jesus created me for something. Uh, and I've just got to stay open to what the Holy Spirit's saying to me, indicating to me as to why Jesus wants me. And what does Jesus want me to do? Does he want me to, to say this or meet the other person or, or listen to this or whatever it is? Whatever it is, let me spend time today and maybe walk and take that lesson with us. Just take some time and ask the Holy Spirit to guide us and answer that question. Why does Jesus need us? So that brings us to the end of our podcast for Palm Sunday. Thanks again indeed, Shane, for sharing those thoughts with us. And it's, I'm sure it's a... It's a reflection we can we can listen to, to a few times this week as we travel through each day. So thank you very much, Nick, for sharing that with us. We'll go out with our final piece of music. And the final piece of music we're going out with today, this one's entitled Hosanna. So, as Shane said, maybe take our time during the week, uh, maybe listen back to that podcast again, to that reflection again, and just see where the Holy Spirit is guiding us in terms of reflection. And just that final little thought there, where does Jesus want us to be this week? So for myself and Shane, until next week, Easter Sunday. God bless, enjoy the week, and get as much as you can from it. Bye-bye now.